Hello and welcome back to Movies on My Mind with me, Rosie. And the movie that is on my mind this week is Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson. That came out in 2009. Please do not be afraid to follow my Instagram account, Movies on My Mind Pod. And also, if you want to leave a review, just follow the podcast, please. <laughs> because I need some more listeners. Anyway, so for this episode, basically, I couldn't decide which film to do this week. I I just was kind of having a bit of a dilemma, but this one felt right. I kind of wanted to, because we're in September now, so I did Prisoner of Azkaban last week, so we're kind of getting into, like, autumn vibes, basically. We're getting closer to Halloween, the horror movies are coming, but at the minute, it's, again, we're, we're warming up. So, this movie is directed by Wes Anderson, of course, and he is one of my favourite directors, and I think, well, he has a massive following anyway. He just is amazing. I can't describe his style. It's just so Wes Anderson. It's unreal. He is such an auteur. No words. No words. Absolutely none. So, I love this movie because it is obviously Wes Anderson's staple. So, now, this is kind of like... The background of it is that it's kind of like, it's a kid's movie. It's it's a PG, okay? And one thing I do like about Wes Anderson is that he has done, like, children's films, which often are, like, stop-motion animation, which is what this one is. Things like that. Because animation is kind of more in, like, a children's genre. It's kind of where you can kind of, like, explore more metaphorical themes in an animation rather than in real life. Because... It's just harder to do it in real life. So this film, although it may come across as a kid's film, I think has many adult themes. And the more that I watch it, the more that I see them. And I'm like, this isn't a kid's movie at all. Like, I don't, you know, I watched this as a kid. When it came out, I was, how old was I? Can't do the math. I was like six when this came out. Seven. Six or seven when this came out. And I had read the book, Fantastic Mr. Fox by Roald Dahl, which... Roald Dahl's a madman. Honestly, I have no words for that guy. He's very questionable now, but at the time, that's all you read in primary school. That's all you read at school was Roald Dahl. He was... Everyone knew him. All my family who don't read know him. (laughs) So when this movie came out, everyone was like, oh, okay, finally they're doing like a film for it. What's it going to be like? And then Wes Anderson comes in, full American, and completely Americanizes the entire thing. It's not that Americanized, but there are definitely Americanizations in there, especially in the language. But anyway, that is Wes Anderson. So, you know, people were a bit confused maybe because it was so not British when this is a British book. Now, I can't remember the book because I read it that long ago and I don't plan on reading it again. But it's basically about Fox and his family and they have to kind of escape this massive the massive corporations of Boggis Bunce Bean, the farmers who were destroying the land for the animals and they have to like run away from them and whatever. But with Wes Anderson's version, which I'll say more about, he kind of changes it, changes it up. Anyway, so I'll give you a little summary of this film. So I like to think about this film in metaphorical terms. I'm going to go all out in terms of my theories and everything. They're not really theories, but like I'm going to explore many, many options in this film. 
and they're going to be more like the metaphorical main themes rather than specific techniques or specific references they're kind of going to be more about talking about the topics that this film has in it because it has a lot i was watching it and i was like god i could make many podcasts about this film there's just a lot in there and it's very interesting i'm not someone who as a kid and even now i am not very connected with animals it's just not something i am i do not feel at one with them which sounds awful and makes me sound like a horrible person but i just have never connected with them so as a kid as well and growing up i never really connected to films that were about animals because a lot of kids films are about animals and are about that kind of thing i don't this doesn't really sit right with me i have to have human characters to fully empathize however this film again which i will talk about does humanize the animals which then as you watch it more and more you see, see them as human and i will explain anyway the summary is this so fantastic mr fox is this fox man he's a fox man and he basically there is some three corporations which are made into massive like uh farms in this film are bogus bunts and bean which are farmers but they're like the bad guys and basically fantastic mr fox has a family and everything and he gets a little bit bored with his life because he's settled down and he's had kids and he's like you know what I want to go back and steal all these chickens and all this cider and I'm just going to live my life. And I'm already saying this and it doesn't sound like a kid's film. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, so he kind of gets back into the game and it basically unleashes complete and utter chaos. By the end of it, well, they nearly die about three times and they have a massive battle with the three farmers who are trying to destroy them and to trying to like destroy their land, destroy their homes not good things anyway and by the end of it it ends happily they find a supermarket by the end and they party in the supermarket and then the film ends so it's very very random and that's basically what happens it's just a load of chaos absolute chaos and it really begs the question is this about animals or humans because it's about humans definitely in disguise of animals a thing i love about this film as well which is so random and funny is Instead of using swear words, in every place they could use a swear word, they say cuss. So they're like, oh, you cussing idiot, or something like that in American accent, of course. Things like that. But yeah, so in place of um, more kind of vulgar language, they just put the cuss word, and I think that that's really funny. Uh, But yeah, this is one of my favourite Wes Anderson films. I will... mm, I don't know. I like... I have a few favourites. I do love him. I do love his stuff. They're all very different, I think, and they're all very... Obviously, they are Wes Anderson, but they are all very, like, different stories, different... Just really random, and I love that. I really do. But yeah, I like this one because it's quite short. It's quite a nice runtime, I feel, and it's just a bit mad, and it makes sense in the end. Right, I'm just gonna stop all this random chattering and get on. So, my first point that I'm going to raise is with the colour orange and I feel like going into autumn and the seasons changing the colour orange is a really great place to start with this so it is literally orange like everything in this is orange it's that's the colour code so you know it's everything's toned orange which I really love and I think works really well it's so strange as well like and I think especially someone who is from the UK and you read the book maybe as a kid and then you go and watch the film and the countryside here 
is green as hell. Like, if it is not green, it looks weird. And to go from the greenness to then Wes Anderson giving you it in pure orange is a bit like, whoa. And it kind of sets the tone to say, we're not in the real world here necessarily. We're in, you know, we're in a constructed place, which actually really helps because the start of the film, literally there's like a book, the, the literal book is there that says Fantastic Mr. Fox on it. And then we're thrown into this world. And I think it is again to say that, yeah, we're in a constructed space here. We're in a film, we're in a story. And I think that that's quite a comforting thing to know that in this space right now where this is all orange and the world is full of orange, you are going to be told a story and you're going to learn something by the end of it. He also does that in a few of his other films, um, like in The Grand Budapest Hotel, there's the book at the start. And then it's like, okay, now we enter into the story. This is a story. It's like a little marker to be like, we are entering a story here. And it's also a bit like, you can suspend your disbelief a little bit there because it's like, this is a story. It's not real. So I think that that's a really interesting point. So with the orange world, which I really love, it's, what is the colour orange? What does it mean? What does the colour orange mean? And I think you could take it in many ways. If you think of orange as in like a sunset as well, it's kind of like endings which is totally to do with the themes within the film as well. So I like to think of it as being maybe the ending, endings, but also in terms of Mr. Fox's life, in the fact that he, how old are we saying he is? Uh, George Clooney voices him, and so I'd say that makes him sound much more, like, revered. I'd say he's probably, like, oh, I think he, I think there is, like, he does talk about age in it. But anyway, I'd say he's about midlife. I don't know when that would... Be, I don't want to offend anyone but I'd say he's about midlife in this and I think that that tone to have it all coloured in orange is kind of like he's feeling like his time's running out he's feeling he's in sunset mode right now and he's not in dawn mode he's in sunset mode he's not in the afternoon he's in sunset so I think there's a lot of like maybe like existentialism in this where he's like oh my god I've had had enough, I've had enough, oh my god, my time is running out. So I think that that kind of adds to the effect that that's why he acts in the way he does, that's why he's a little bit rash, that's why he um, does things he shouldn't really do, because he's in that period in his life where he's a bit scared now. He doesn't want to live in poverty and boredom for the rest of his life. And that's fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Another reason why it could be coloured orange is... I liked, there's a lot of West, well, there's not too many, but there's Western influences in this in terms of the genre. It's like the American West. The American West is just orange. You know, cowboys, Indians, that kind of thing. Just there being like a lot of orange and a lot of like dry space. So it kind of links this with the Western genre. Now, I don't watch a lot of Westerns, unfortunately, so I couldn't give you too much, too much information on that but especially like the battle at the end where they go through the village and it's like you know a showdown so there's a lot of that kind of thing and it feels like that kind of vibe it is very it's very much like wild west it's like a wild land we're in the countryside here so it is the wild west you know because the farmers want the land that belongs to the animals they were there first and you could kind of see it now this is going a bit far but like in terms of like cowboys and Indians, the Americans and well the because I don't know whether they were 
Americans then. I did a very... I don't know a lot about the American West. But, like, you know, like, the Americans trying to uh, take the land from the Native Americans. That kind of thing. And, you know, there's that battle of the land that doesn't belong to anyone. It belongs to nature. And in the end, of course, who wins? Who wins? I think that's the question. Who wins? We don't know who wins. We're not given, like, a proper... You have won. Uh, I will talk about the end. But... This, who wins? Who wins in this game by the end of it? Uh, so I think there's many different ways you can take it. But it's another reason it could be coloured orange. And then, now I saw this. I don't know how true this is. And I always stick by my guns. <laughs> but the colour orange apparently can mean determination and perseverance and all that stuff. And I think because maybe orange being like a sunset colour means that you know the end is near you're getting to the end of it you're getting things done and I think that that's why it might mean termination but I feel that there is a lot of determination in this because it is a very much underdog story in which the animals have to adapt and try and beat these the humans who are much well they're not that much in they're not more intelligent than them but they have more power and they are bigger physically and they also physically push them into the ground as well because they have to like burrow underneath the ground at some point and it's like the power play with the humans being on top and the animals being on the bottom so and it's who was there first who deserves more or less whatever that kind of thing so that's another reason why we have the color orange so another reason (laughs) another one (laughs) so with the orange as well i think with the sunset Uh, I've written here, and I think it does say it a bit better than this, cusp of change. There is constant change in this, and the beginning really does place you in a position to be like, something is about to go down. Like, there is a cusp of change. It is all about change. It is all about adapting. It is all about evolving, and that colour, in terms synonymous with the sunset, is like, yeah, we're changing here. We're growing, and that could be you know, another reading of the colour. But I really like it. And I think as well, the timing of it being like autumn, so like harvest, so September to October and that time really, because we have that wolf scene at the end in which the wolf stands in winter and it looks like winter is then approaching. So winter is always in the distance and it being orange and it being like autumnal really does progress that change that change that will happen that is necessary and will have to happen because the seasons you can't stop them so next we're gonna go on to talk about midlife crisis now i feel like mr fox has a big fat midlife crisis within this film so we we see him at the start kind of he doesn't care he's like stealing stuff gaining stuff whatever he's having he's having a great time and then Meryl Streep voices his wife Mrs Fox and she's like I'm going to have a child or whatever child which is not a child it's a cub because they're not humans (laughs) anyway she's like I'm gonna have a cub or I'm gonna have a child and he's like oh my god and then that's the cage comes down on them and it's like oh trapped in midlife so and then he's at the uh, table afterwards and he goes there's there's a line and i don't know who says it but they say do you still feel poor 
and he's looking at his newspaper column and he's like, who doesn't read it? Who reads it? You know, I'm a little bit bored. He's bored because he doesn't feel fulfilled. He has kind of put his life on hold for his children, which then makes him act out in terms of he wants to return to his youth. He wants to relive it. And he they talk about this, they talk about it a few times, the line of, do you want to take the scenic route or the short route? So the scenic route is, it doesn't necessarily point to which one is more dangerous, which one you should take. The scenic route suggests more experience. So, you know, the act of chasing experience with the scenic route, which Mr. Fox always wants to take because he's hungry for life and he's hungry for experience to change, to grow, to learn, all those good things. I'm so sorry as well. I have the door open. So like there are many nature sounds. So I think that really adds to the theme of this film. And also, there's all this the shortcut. Now, the shortcut, I think, is probably the safest route, considering that often it involves danger. And he doesn't want to ever take the shortcut, but he does have it as an option. Now, as well, I've just accidentally put, written here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, lead, lead on to this now. But Mrs. Fox paints a lot of, they're really cool, like little lightning pictures of thunderstorms, which are cool. And that does relate to the shortcut. She always takes the shortcut and he takes the scenic route. And the shortcut suggests sudden change. It suggests quickness, uh, being, being lightning as well, if we want to link it to the lightning. So sudden change, um, rapidness, and it shows how quickly she can make decisions and how quickly she can make sensible ones. Whereas Mr. Fox takes longer and he ponders on his thoughts quite a lot. He has a lot of monologues in which he says uh, he tries to lead people, but he's basically just saying the same point over and over again. So he can't really make up his mind particularly about what to do. uh, Because when he first starts this whole mission, which he then does to steal stuff from the big big fat farmers, (laughs) Boggis Puntz and Bean, he doesn't quite know where the where it's going to lead to lead in the end he doesn't really know the end result he just kind of goes with it and he goes with the flow because as long as he's happy and fulfilled and he thinks that's his purpose then sure you know he thinks it's necessary but he doesn't have a plan which is not necessarily good so so he does try to relive his youth he gets on his bandit hats he goes and tries to steal stuff basically and I've got the question here, and I've I've kind of talked about this. It's kind of like again, if you want to talk, if you want to bring Freud into this, uh, if you're talking about the id, so your childishness, desire, the forbidden things you're not supposed to do, but you really want to do, uh, the pleasurable things in your life. Is it necessary, necessarily a good thing, to relive? and to try to give in to those impulses. And I've talked about this in Casanova um, in a similar kind of way. And it's like, you know, I think it's still the question here because they do succeed in the end, but they lose things along the way and uh, they learn things along the way. uh, But, you know, the question begs at the end when they end up in the big fat supermarket and they're living underground, you know, is that really... Is that evolving or is it not? You know, uh, it's definitely changed, but it's kind of changed that they haven't controlled uh, because the humans, obviously, 
forced them underground and the humans built the supermarkets. So, you know, they were kind of forced into that, but yet they think that it was themselves who bought it there. So it's, is a really strange, strange thing. And okay, this is so random, but I just was thinking, it reminded me, (laughs) this is so niche, (laughs) but, um, I just finished, a few weeks ago I finished watching The Sandman and that talks about dreams and it talks about the fact that if you have enough dreams, like manifestations in each other's minds, then you can collectively create what you want through other means. So it will find you. And I do feel that this, that is quite similar to the supermarket situation in Fantastic Mr. Fox, in which they did not build the supermarket. They did not stock the supermarket. They are nothing to do with the supermarket. Yet, their outside circumstances ended up bringing them to the supermarket, which is a safer way for them to gain food than it is like hunting. And it's very bizarre, but I just thought of that. (laughs) That was so random. Okay. Uh, So, as well, what really helps, what really helps humanize them in a strange way is the fact that they are animals. So, you know, we've got fantastic mr fox the foxes we've got the badger we've got the weasels we've got i don't know everything we've got a random opossum as well not very british (laughs) american Uh, but anyway it's really interesting i think the animals all have meanings probably as well but i again i don't like animals and it would take me ages so i'm not going to do that i'm not gonna we'll forget about that for a minute uh but basically what i've said here is that there is pleasure in giving into animalistic impulses and the impulse to survive which is my next point with mortality but they want to survive and they need to give into this animalistic part of them but you know the fact that these characters are all animals means that we can forgive them when they do things like that so we're always reminded that they're animals because every time they eat they eat very like they make weird noises when they eat like (laughs) raw and they eat horrifically and then that's us going oh yeah they're animals that's how they eat you know because they're animals but they're human animals because they act like humans they talk like humans they are humanized but they act like animals so then it begs the question that humans are exactly the same because we are human yet we are animals so we still have the same not exactly the same but we have impulses very similar survival instincts these animals have yet we can forgive them because they are animals for that so it's it's kind of a back and forth thing i don't know if i went too deep with that one but i always feel like yes they're human animals like they're human animals but they're animals so we kind of will view them and not judge them so badly when we see them alongside like boggy spuns and bean who have absolutely no personality whatsoever (laughs) but their impulses are more violent Um, they want to destroy, they want to kill, they want to make money, and their impulses are very different for different reasons, yet they are not dissimilar at all. They're almost the same as that impulse that the animals have to violently eat their food. It's the same thing, yet it's seen very differently in, like, perspective. In this film, when you bring them side by side, it, you know, it's like where's the difference here okay because we were on the animal side from the start you know we follow them so we are on their side unless you've if if you've watched this film and been on the human side please get in touch (laughs) because man that's a crazy reading fair play (laughs) 
yeah, with with this version of the story, uh, Wes Anderson introduces Fantastic Mr. Fox's son, Ash, uh, Christopherson, who comes from, who is also a fox, he's like their cousin, and he comes to visit after his father died, or is not very well. And then we've also got some other random characters as well, but there's the relationship between Christopherson and Ash, which is uh, quite... Well, Ash is a very interesting character in the fact that he wants to be his dad and he really wants to be his dad. He wants to be an athlete. He wants to do this, he wants to do that because that's what he's seen growing up as being desirable and makes people like you. And he thinks the only way he's going to be liked is if he's like his father. When in the fact he's nothing like his father and yeah, he's nothing like his father but he's trying to be like him which then makes his life harder whereas Christopherson comes on the scene and he can just do whatever he wants and he's good at everything and he doesn't really care (laughs) so I think as well it's all about setting your mind to things and you know picking priorities but not trying to prioritize the wrong things and the things that won't help you gain anything but what's interesting about Ash being sad about not being his dad is that it's all about legacy and what's great about this is we have the animals there and we can and they're different species so we can go well that's a fox oh uh, that's a badger that's a weasel whatever that's a rat so we have groups of these animals but in terms of familial legacy you have your dad you have like there's father and sons parents grandparents is there grandparents well there is in my head But anyway, so you have like that long line of familial legacy, but you also have the legacy of your species. And putting them side by side is really weird to think, but it's realistic and true that we are a species that needs to keep evolving and changing if it wants to survive, which is almost as similar as familial legacy in terms of you belong to your family but then you have, where am I going with this? But yeah, you kind of belong to your family, but you belong to your species as well. And because there's a, there's a bit where he does like a bit of a pep talk, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and he starts using their Latin names as like motivation. So he talks to everyone in their Latin names. And it's kind of a reminder of the bigger picture here to be like, yes, you're you and you're in an annoying place right now and you might die. But you know, think about it, you've got this whole species behind you, this whole legacy behind you, that you exist within, so, you know, go and use it for some good. It's kind of a bit like that, it's very, very, I've gone very deep here, but that was definitely an impression I got from watching it. I don't even know. Anyway, so, right, I'm going to leave the wolf thing as a separate thing, I've decided. My next point is mortality mortality survival in brackets feralness well i just talked about like legacy and stuff like that but that also links into mortality and the fact that everyone's gonna die everything's gonna die that's it this mortal coil that you sit upon is going to end you know it's very very awful uh, to say that and to think about that but this because this film is about animals and destruction and food and survival that is definitely a topic that comes up in this because they're faced with danger so often and they talk about maybe if you won't see me tomorrow that kind of thing and because they're animals you know it kind of become it's part of their natural instinct to survive anyway so what's interesting is the fact that these animals go from a natural environment to an you could say urban environment by the end in the supermarket and 
again, you can put that into the real world and go big corporations taking up land and using it for profit, therefore, are basically forcing natural animals. They think they're destroying them, yet life still finds a way and they're instead evolving. And that is why you see so many animals maybe enter cities and more urban areas that are human controlled. And it's not their fault that they are there. They are simply evolving and doing exactly what you would do if you were in that situation. So it's kind of, it's really, it's an interesting discussion because of course it's not the animal's fault that their their homes get destroyed. But you can't just expect them to die, which is interesting because we see animals themselves as kind of disposable things because, I don't know, they're just not as intelligent as us or whatever and we have control, and we think we have control over them, yet bogusmans have been trying to destroy these animals multiple times, and they just don't, because life still finds a way, and is it because they outsmart them, is it because their instincts are just taking them the right way, and yeah, it's really, it's incredibly interesting discussion, but yeah, so they end up in the supermarket, and that's them evolving, so they don't see it as a bad thing, which is really interesting because we see it totally from the animal perspective rather than the human one, which is just really interesting. It's just a different way to look at it completely. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's a useful thing to look at it completely because obviously animals aren't human. They're not as humanised as we make them in the film, but it's a really interesting discussion and a really interesting perspective. Let's talk about the wolf scene. So basically, the wolf scene is probably my favourite bit. And basically what happened is they they had that massive battle with Bogus Bunsen and Bean and they beat them. There were these beagles, <laughs> the beagles. Um, but everything is just kind of crazy. They have like a big battle, whatever. They win, they win, they win. And they're on this little motorcycle because of course foxes can drive motorcycles <laughs> down the road and they stop for a minute. And there is this wolf in the distance in like a winter scene and it's a black wolf. So kind of like a Grim, which is the Prisoner of Azkaban. Grim is back. It's kind of like a Grim figure. And it it just like stands there and looks at them. And what's interesting is before that, Fantastic Mr. Fox goes, I have a phobia of wolves. And Kylie, who is the opossum, who's a little bit, he's a little bit feral. He's kind of not as evolved as the other animals. <laughs> he's like, I have a phobia of thunder. So in terms of his phobia of thunder, I'm thinking he's afraid of consequence. And that's interesting because opossums in general are kind of seen as deceptive figures. They are deceptive animals. They avoid conflict. So therefore it makes sense that the opossum is afraid of thunder because thunder comes after lightning. It is consequence of that. It's scary. And he's afraid of that. Now, Fantastic Mr. Fox's wolf phobia is kind of more interesting. So he's afraid of wolves and what we can say about wolves is that they are, you can, you have the, you know, obviously you have the idea and the phrase lone wolf. So maybe he's afraid of being alone. Maybe he's afraid of losing everything, of not being able to lead his family and lead his life. He's afraid of that and I think that phrase lone wolf really does is really interesting because we always see him with people he always does his missions with 
they're not people or animals, you know what I mean, but he's always not, he's not alone when he does his missions and things like that, he's not alone when he does all of these great talkings, he shines when he's in front of an audience, and he's probably afraid of being alone in that way. Also, the wolf is black, it's like a grim, so he's afraid of death, and that is completely why he acted in the way he did. All of the film represents survival instinct, and it represents acting out when things you have to physically move your environment because it is unsafe your physical environment has changed so quickly that you have to adapt really quickly and that is really kind of like satisfying because you know that's what life does is it changes it evolves and it's kind of fulfilling that purpose by being uprooted and by being you know chased away and running away from things and you're fulfilling your purpose as a, a living being so I think that makes sense and as well like unknown so the wolf sits is in a winter environment quite naturally but it represents the oncoming winter in which that these animals have to kind of think about because how are they going to survive they were short of food they tried to get more food so that was kind of the goal and by the end they end up in a supermarket so they're going to be fine for the winter so it's all about adapting to avoid the death the death of winter because it is the hardest time so in that way the future is definitely something he's afraid of yeah when you're in a position in which you kind of you've changed so much that you know you're afraid you don't know what your next move is is kind of like you've overcome all of those obstacles that you never even thought you would you're literally on a new level you are you've reached the new level you've you've unlocked a new level and when mr fox then looks directly into this wolf's eye it's kind of like he's looking fear right in the face and he's just going okay cool i'm not scared uh, because we see him in terms of wolves as figures i suppose dogs come under that kind of thing and he says he's scared of wolves but he's also when we meet the be- the rabid beagles he's a- really afraid of them too for obvious reasons and he kind of shakes when he looks at them he's a bit scared but when he looks at the wolf he's like oh i'm okay now i've i've done it i'm not afraid anymore and that is definitely a full circle moment and a perfect way to kind of end the film and kind of you know tie the film up i think it's a beautiful way to end it but a very a deep philosophical way as well because he's just having a midlife crisis and he just nearly lost everything but he didn't and he's just instead learned a load of things and looked fear right in the face and gone i don't care okay so other things maybe we have like electricity that's a big theme in this loads of electricity for some reason loads of stuff and i think that that represents obviously the human influence in their lives but because you know humans electricity and all that stuff but also electricity is dangerous uh but it could mean you know ideas it could be inspiration and how how close inspiration actually is and i think that's something that fantastic mr fox himself tries to find throughout the whole movie because he's in a slump he's in he's midlife crisis guy and he just needs that spark of inspiration to then set him off and what happens is he has that one spark and then he gets another and then he gets another and then it just keeps going until loads of crazy stuff happens because of that initial spark and i think that that's a nice way of looking at the whole theme of electricity and it being about energy and movement and ideas and new stuff which is really nice 
That was very enthusiastic of me. Okay, as well, okay, I might have to put this into another part that I've already recorded, but the consequences of greed and greed being a theme within this whole, like, this whole film, which is completely right. Right, I've got more to say. So the consequences of greed are the fact that if we want to talk about capitalism in this, we can say that Boggis, Bunsen Bean are the big, big dealers, the big producers. They are the top of the ladder. They're the bourgeoisie, okay? So they're up there. And then the animals represent the lower classes, the working classes, the proletariat. And, you know, there's they can never meet and especially because Wes Anderson puts the animals with the proletariat and the bourgeoisie of the humans it shows that you know there is a very big distance between them physically the humans are bigger than the animals and you know it's it's, it's almost as if the animals have no hope uh, and they can't do anything about it and the greed represents obviously the big big producers Boggis Bunsen Bean they have massive massive buildings they just have everything they want they want to destroy the animals houses they get a bomb they flipping crazy tell me tell me tell me crazy but anyway they're just very you could say very greasy they have massive stores of their products they just have an infinite supply of everything whereas the animals don't at all they actually are can see themselves as poor they have little to eat, they're worried about their next meal, yet these humans are literally hoarding everything for profit. So this whole battle between animal and human is again consequence of greed and it kind of messes up the natural order of things in which the, those humans are to an extreme scale hoarding the kind of resources that the animals need and the animals should have available to them so that is a very big thing of that and then another thing if we want to talk about greed and we get biblical is the fact that we have a lot of apples in this so like some of the animals wear apple dress or there's the apple crate uh the cider there's a lot of apple stuff going on and you know apples represent knowledge they are on the tree of knowledge you bite the forbidden fruit which is often seen as an apple and you gain the secret knowledge and it's interesting because we don't see this symbol with the humans they never gain this knowledge by being rich and greedy yet when the animals are grateful and they work together as a team they do consume the apple but a good apple in terms of the fact that they gain knowledge and they evolve and they end up winning because they have this knowledge of working together of being grateful that the higher powers Boggis Bunsen Bean do not have access to because they lack self-awareness which is again really strange because that's quite a human thing yet the humans in this have no self-awareness at all and it is the animals that have it instead because they they use different means to get what they want and as well they don't think of themselves so highly and they don't feel the need to be greedy in that way because they're animals they don't feel the need of society and capitalism because it doesn't exist for them so instead well it does exist for them but in a different way they kind of use it to their advantage and yeah so we have the the good apples in it but interestingly cider is beans hoard he has tons of cider 
And bogus and bunts, I think, have like geese and chickens. So, you know, pretty run-of-the-mill stuff, you know, chickens and geese, man, they're not like crazy. But then Bean has cider and Bean is seen as the kind of the big mind behind the whole thing. And he feels very passionately about getting rid of these animals. Now, cider, if we're talking about is made from apples, um, is kind of like, you know, he has secreted knowledge. His ciders are filled with that knowledge that the animals kind of want. They're like, mm, what is this knowledge that makes me rich? What is this knowledge? And there's the scene when Rat dies, where they feed him grit and dirt from the f- ground. And they go, oh, bean cider. And they pour it down his throat. But it's not, it's grit. So I think, in a way, now this is getting crazy. But that cider, obviously, bean is the hardest to defeat as well. He's like the mind behind it all. Which, again, makes sense because he's the one with cider. That's the most valuable thing. And if we don't talk about it as alcoholic, we can talk about it as knowledge in itself is more valuable than anything. And they want that. They want that hoard of knowledge from him. And... when they do get it it's just like well well what now you know it's actually not important at all and it does not impact them in the way they think it will god i don't know where i'm going i think this is the first time i've properly gone off the rails she's off the rails but anyway apples knowledge cider draw the dots I'm thinking it's knowledge. I'm thinking that cider is knowledge. I'm thinking it's all about some knowledge. And I think as animals, they kind of know that there's apparently this difference between them and the humans. Yet, they're like, what is it? What is this difference? What is this difference between civilised and uncivilised? And apparently it's this knowledge, this awareness. Again, I'm tired. I don't know where I'm going with this. But yeah, I like to think of it as kind of knowledge and awareness. And I think in a way the animals already had it from the start because they're quite humanised anyway. And they're, well, they're happy in the end. So yeah, I'm very confused about where I'm going here. But yeah, the apple thing. I really like it. It's really interesting. And well, in the end, I don't think knowledge necessarily helps them that much. <laughs> kind of luck is what helps them more than anything. So yeah, very interesting. So it's kind of all about, you know, who was here first? What does this belong to? Uh, what in the natural world belongs where? Who has the right to own it? That kind of thing. There's obviously the animal issues that you can talk about in animal welfare, but you can also just talk about in terms of humans and in terms of maybe the class system, capitalism, that kind of thing. And that is why I really love this film because there is so much going on and you can take it in so many different ways. And it's great because it's animation, things are shown in metaphorical ways. The animals and the human kind of thing works incredibly well again. So you have that opposition. They're physically different from each other, so we have opposition. So you can put any two parties there and make a battle, which is really interesting for me. But I think in, an, in the end, this, this film feels really hopeful and it feels like the, the underdog can survive, which is really great and it's quite a positive movie for me i do feel like it's really nice and again gives you some more terminal feelings with the orange um tones going on okay so i think i'm gonna stop now yeah i'm gonna stop speaking now because i mean you'll want me to after that but anyway a little bit of acting appreciation going on obviously wes anderson uses his honestly the best people in the world he has like a 
he has like a little army of actors behind him that he just uses when he wants so great uh, but anyway we have the usual voices in it everyone wants to be in a Wes Anderson movie honestly the French Dispatch the cast is huge and everybody was lined up to be in that and I mean fair enough because I would want to be too but yeah so we have Meryl Streep as Mrs Fox um George Clooney as Fantastic Mr Fox we've got just usual like Bill Murray Owen Wilson Willem Dafoe Michael Gambon is Bean so yeah there's kind of a massive kind of a lot of people in this uh, but what I really love about it is the fact that they produced this so they recorded the dialogue whilst they were physically doing the stuff so it sounds like they're actually there doing it even though it's animation for the voiceovers which is really cool and there's loads of videos everywhere and as well with a lot of Wes Anderson movies there's kind of like this there's a lot of pacing and uh, everything's kind of like go 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 and it's very succinct and organized and 100% the voices really reflect that and they really like create really help to create like the the great atmosphere of this film creates anyway yeah it's just really good <laughs> it's just really good king wes i love wes anderson he is amazing he's the artist of his time <laughs> amazing everything he does is amazing <laughs> So that was Fantastic Mr. Fox and my first animated film that I've done. Yeah, first animated film. And yeah, I really like it. It's a positive, quite a positive film. We've got a lot of positive but very deep themes going on here. And if you got bored by the end of this, then you're welcome. Because I've literally gone round and round in circles like usual but anyway so if you like this and you want to see another one next week then please add the show to your library leave a review follow me on instagram all the good things and i will be back next time with another film that i i'm gonna try and decide soon (laughs) but i still haven't decided what i'm gonna do next week it's all it's all very well planned as you can tell But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this and that's it. So um, enjoy and I will be back next week, next Tuesday.